All right, hello and welcome everyone to another chat and learn here with Power to Fly. My name is Mariella and as always, I'm excited to roll through this next hour with you all. Um, you have submitted some great questions offline. Um, this is a really special topic for me because I consider myself a storyteller. Um, and so I'm really uh, excited to listen to Olivia drop some knowledge, share some tips and tricks. Um, and uh, just so that everyone feels comfortable um, and we can really maximize this next hour, I wanna invite everyone to turn your cameras on. Um, don't worry if you haven't showered, put your virtual backdrop on. You know, this is a place where we're bringing our full selves. Um, also no pressure. We understand we're on Zoom calls and on you know, camera all day. So don't, don't feel pressured, but I'm gonna sound like a broken record to invite you to come on camera, turn your uh, cameras on, take yourselves off of mute. I've muted everyone upon entrance just to avoid background noise, but I can't stress enough. I wanna hear from you. Um, if you have any sensitive information and you wanna be kept anonymous, find me in the chat box under Mariella. You can write to me anonymously and I'll flag that to our guest speaker. Um, and then this is being recorded. So if you do share your voice, thank you first. Second, you'll be able to watch yourself uh, on Power to Fly because we are recording live. Um, and last thing I'll say is follow us on social so that you can stay in tune with all the great chats we have coming up. Um, without further ado, you all are going to see that this hour is going to fly by. So I'm going to pass the mic to our guest speaker, Olivia. Um, I had a chance to speak with her offline uh, and I'm really excited to learn more with you today. So Olivia, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to know about Power to Fly and what you're excited to share with us today. Yeah, thank you so much, Mariella and Nicole as well, who is the one who asked me to come in and speak. Thank you both. You're doing great work. And so a little bit about myself. Um, I'm excited that this is such an international group because I'm originally, I'm from Kenya, born and raised. Um, I was just telling Mariella this, that um, I love, <laughs> I love um, traveling a lot. And so I've had kind of an interesting journey that has brought me here to Atlanta. So born and raised in Kenya, to a family of six, I was the last. I was I was the last born for ten years, and so of course I was a daddy's girl. I spent a lot of time with my dad when I was younger, and he really influenced a lot of my thinking back when I was as I was a child. And he used to tell me all the time that um, he had this huge faith in the things that I would do when I, I would grow older. And so I guess a lot of my um, just passion for empowering people to go after bold dreams has been based off the the advice that he gave me as a child. And um, so, yeah, so my journey, um, right when I was a child, I had this vision that I would travel the world and empower people to do great things. And one of the first things that I did was I applied to an international um, high school or rather a pre-college program that was in South Africa. And this school was specifically designed to teach people how to become the next generation of entrepreneurs and, and leaders. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it's called African Leadership Academy. And so that took me to South Africa. And then from there, I got clarity that I wanted to, uh, to focus on, on, on business, right? And narrow in on business and figure out how can I leverage my passion for empowerment within the business field. And so while I was at, at the school, I applied to Notre Dame. And again, this was another big break. Um, so I got the chance to apply to a scholarship program that had been recently started and they only took 25 people and I became one of the 25 people that were selected. Uh, but I share the story because I remember that when I was having my interview, interview with, the, with the head of this program, he stopped me mid-sentence towards the end of my interview and said to me, you remind me so much of myself when I was your age. And at the time I was just a little girl, just a teenager who's sitting there trying to speak about her vision for the world and, and all the cool things that she wanted to do. And so when he said that, I was just, it was very reaffirming and ended up getting the scholarship and finding my journey to Notre Dame. While I was there again, did great internship, um, ton of cool stuff. One being an internship with IBM and the next, and 
an internship with McKinsey and Company. And in my year, when I applied, they only selected five people, right? So I look back on my journey, getting into this high school that um, had an incredibly low selection, selection rate. They only chose 90 people out of a pool of over 4,000 applicants. And then I look at my journey from um, this school to Notre Dame, where they only chose 25 people for a full ride scholarship. And then while at Notre Dame, I look at my journey getting into McKinsey, where they only selected five people for my internship for the specific internship that I got that led to a full time. And I think through what is the things that I did in this interviews that really helped me stand out? And are there things that I can pass on? Because so many of you are going to be applying for very selective programs that you're excited for, but you're also nervous that you're not going to get them, especially given everything that's going on right now with, with COVID. Like everything is so much tougher to get into. But at the end of the day, there is gonna be that 5% of people that gets selected to every, every opportunity, right? And I want to teach you a few trips, tips and, uh, trip, <laughs> sorry, tips and tricks as to how you can become part of that uh, 5%. And so yeah, a little bit about my spiel. While in McKinsey, I was consultant. And on the side, I got, to, I got a chance to help the company with its recruiting efforts. So one of the things that I absolutely loved was going back on campuses, be it my alma mater or just other schools, such as HBCUs here in Atlanta, and getting a chance to speak with students and teach them about just consulting and introduce them to the world of management consulting, share with them um, a few you know, pieces of advice on how they can write strong resumes and how they can prepare for the interviews. And I also had the chance to actually go through students' resumes and decide who gets called in for an interview. So that was one of the things that I absolutely loved, even more than my job as a consultant. And so once I'd worked there for a couple of years, two years to be specific, I thought about what my next steps were. And I kept going back to who I was as a child. And I was this huge visionary who had this belief that I could make a huge difference in the world and I could do that by empowering other people to go after their dreams. And so I decided, why not? Why don't I start a company whose sole focus is to do that? And that became my inspiration for Signature Interview Prep, which is what I do today. I run this company and through my work, um, through this company, I get the chance to speak to amazing people like yourself, those of you listening, and also just speak with other candidates on a one-on-one -on -one basis. We have um, we do everything from helping people write strong resumes to crafting strong stories that they can tell in behavioral interviews and also helping them learn how to um, perform well in technical type interviews. So I'll be leveraging all of these experiences, my, my own experiences in interviewing, as well as my experiences coaching candidates while I was a consultant and now as a full-time career consultant to share some of my um, responses to the questions you submitted. All the questions submitted are excellent. I had good chances to review them, very thought provoking. I had to even take a step back for some of them and really think through them. So I really appreciate it. And I hope we get to go through, I, I think Mariela said we probably will not go through all of them, but if I don't get through your question, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn afterwards and I'll, I'll provide you thoughts to the questions that you sent me in. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Olivia. And I'm so excited to learn more about you've already shared so much about your journey. Thank you upfront for being, you know, willing and able to share your perspective and your journey so that we can hear, you know, more visions, more voices uh, from a global perspective as well. So as Olivia has mentioned, you all have submitted some great questions offline. We're going to take these questions one by one. Um, but first, I just want to let you all know where you're calling from today so that we can see that these are, you know, some questions that we consider to be kind of globally impactful since we are calling from all over. So I'm calling from Argentina. I'm just going to shout you out in the chat box. If you haven't written already, go ahead and do that. So we've got Kansas, California, Los Angeles, Pennsylvania, Nairobi, Cleveland, Ohio, Austin, Texas, Connecticut, Philly, Denver, Virginia, Buenos Aires, uh, New York, Charleston, Arizona, uh, Indiana, Chicago, South Florida. Awesome. So 
Um, we have, we are deciding to be here for the hour, so I can't stress enough that I want you all to maximize this time. Um, Olivia was impressed with how many people were turning their cameras on, um, and I just really can't thank you all enough. You know, times are crazy in the world again. Doesn't matter if you haven't showered today, we wanna to hear from you. So I'm gonna sound like a broken record by the end of this chat, um, and I'm always gonna invite you to come off of mute to turn your cameras on. What's up, Danielle, Nancy, Kay, Jennifer, Mimi, Devne, Trish, Liz, Leah, Madison, I see y'all, thank you for turning your cameras on. Um, we're gonna take these questions one by one. If you see your question come up on the screen and you wanna chime in, feel free to do so. If this is not your question, we had a dream last night, you wanna comment on it, whatever. Write in the chat box, come off of mute, we wanna hear from you. So Olivia, let's take this first question here. Uh, what are some questions I could ask myself to help brainstorm an effective story? Any suggestions for remembering which stories to tell when preparing for an interview or for a virtual networking event? Yeah, excellent question. Thank you to whoever submitted that. So I love this question. And I, the interesting thing is I did get a chance to speak to one of the most successful startup CEOs here in Atlanta and I asked him, this question, I said to him, you've, um, you've interviewed so many candidates over the last four years. What do you feel is the most important thing in terms of um, the stories that people tell you during interviews? And his advice is going to be something that I want you to think about as you answer this question. His advice was that the biggest gap that he sees when people are responding to interview questions or writing resumes is that they, felt they fail to connect the dots between what the interviewer is looking for and their personal experiences. So people are brainstorming stories that they like to tell, but they're not really thinking about it from the standpoint of the interviewer, right? So my first advice to you is to put yourself in the perspective of the interviewer and ask yourself, this interviewer, they're trying to solve a specific problem. They want to figure out who's going to be the next person that fills in this role that I have. And they have a set profile in mind. Profile in terms of the types of skills that this person has and the personality traits that it takes for this person to be successful. So for you to figure out what are the effective stories to tell, you first have to ask yourself, like, who is the target profile, right? So that you're choosing stories based on that. And so we're gonna take three steps to get to that answer, right? So step number one is, going through information that's provided to you to be able to decide who their target profile is, right? This information can be found in primarily in sites that you already have access to. So start with the job description, read through the job description and come up with what are the recurring buzzwords that they use to describe this person? Are they saying things like they're looking for somebody with great project management skills or are they saying they're looking for somebody with, who has a creative mindset? Right, every job is going to be different. If you're applying for a job in tech, it's going to be different than a job in consulting. So come up with, so look through the job description, also go on the website and look through the careers tab and so that you can find the specific section where they say this is um, what you need to know when you're applying. I'm always surprised to see that people are not going to this, like they're not doing the steps of research before preparing the stories. Um, let me give a very good example because I spend most of my time in consulting. So I did this, I did this example with consulting to figure out, all right, um, if somebody is to prepare stories for a consulting job interview, what would they need to prepare? And the recurring buzzwords that I saw when you go through the job description as well as the website is every single consulting firm says they want somebody with problem solving skills. That's number one. Second, leadership traits, right? And doesn't, leadership doesn't mean that you had to have a certain ranking in your past job or a certain title. It just means that you're displaying the qualities of being able to lead a project from start to finish. Third, some type of um, passion or entrepreneurial drive. Fourth, they all say they're looking for impact or results delivery. And then fifth, they all say they're looking for collaborative or teamwork skills, 
right? So going back to your questions, what are some questions I could ask myself to help brainstorm an effective story? If you know you're applying to a consulting firm, you would say, I've gone through the job description, I've gone through the website, and I have found that these are the themes that they're looking for. So I need to brainstorm a story that touches on problem-solving skills. Like, what have I done in my past that shows that I have the ability to solve a complex problems, even if I, I go through a sudden challenge in the middle of the problem, I'm still able to navigate that and come up with a solution. What is something that I have done that shows I have leadership skills? You might be somebody who is in your graduating college, you feel like you don't have work experience, but have you done something that showcases your ability to lead something from start to finish, right? The same with passion, impact, and collaborative, team, um, collaborative and teamwork skills. One caveat here is I have seen a lot of people doing this very well, so keep doing that. What I tend not to see as much is actually speaking to current and former employees. So beyond just reading the website and going through the job description, the next step that you want to do to really understand what is the, um, what is the interviewer looking for is speaking to current and former employees. So I'll give you my personal ex experience. I was once applying to a startup in SF. And this is a really cool startup. They were growing really quickly. They had over 400 employees and somebody convinced me to apply. And so I got the chance to speak to the recruiters and they said to me, you have your first interview coming up in a week. And I said to them, okay, that's great, but can you please put me in touch with somebody who currently works there, who would be performing the same role that I do because I want to understand this role a little bit better before I go in. Most people don't do that, but because I did do that, I spoke to the, to the lady, she was very friendly, and she explained to me exactly what to expect based on her interview experience. She said, this is, what they, this is the types of questions they asked me, this is how long it's gonna be, um, this is what they're looking for. And I even got a chance to, talk, to ask about my prospective boss, like, could you tell me more about him? And she said to me, this is his personality style, he's very hands-off, so he wants you to just completely take charge. So as much as possible, if you can come into the interview and show that you have the ability to take full control of your work, then I think he's going to like you. So I kind of came in knowing exactly what they were going to ask me. And that's what interview should be. There should never be a surprise. You should go into an interview knowing these are the types of questions they will ask you. And so you've thought about them ahead of time. You've written down your stories. And then you're climbing in, you're just ready to shine. You're not trying to figure out what they're asking you in the interview, right? So that's your tip um and then any suggestions for remembering which stories to tell when preparing for an interview or a virtual networking event um so the tip is once you've done the, the previous st stage you've done your analysis you've looked through your website you've looked through the, the description you've then gone through external websites such as quora or or glassdoor and you've come up with like very strong understanding this is exactly what my interview is going to look like right i want you to put together and we'll talk about this in more detail in the next question, but I want you to just put together a very simple, um, I, I do this for consulting in his accent, a very simple Word document saying, here are the five themes that um, this company really cares about. And then just have a um, very simple, like high level summary. This is a story that I'll tell for each of these themes. So that way you have, um, you have your, your five core stories that you're ready to tell. Now you might go into the interview and they ask you other questions that you didn't prepare for, that's fine but you'll have the confidence of having prepared for it slightly more than the average person would. I love that. I love that you're saying to connect the dots, which makes things more cyclical. It gives you a little more power. And mm -hmm. I love when folks talk about when, when you're applying to a job or when you're, at the, when you're working at the job and, and to see the relationship as a partnership 
uh, instead of just, you know, I don't know, an empty role or something that, you know, you have to do. It's like, it's a partnership. And so you should go in there prepared for this partnership as well. Think of it, you know, like as, with a friendship or with a romance or with, you know, your, your local community. Um, so I love that you're putting the responsibility on the, on the person that's interviewing. And I also want to chime in and say, I know that's a lot of work for one role. So make sure you have like a, ro a reward set up for yourself, right? Like, cause you're spending so much time researching and you're spending so much time, like, you know, combing through I mean it's also personal to go through your story sometimes depending on which you know role uh, which company uh, and you know I, what I love right now is that authenticity and vulnerability and emotional intelligence and empathy are being highlighted more so um, I know I'm probably jumping jumping uh, the rope here but can you talk a little bit about you know how to how to not be afraid to show emotional intelligence uh, and while you're interviewing in this situation yeah, that's really a good one. Um, so I think usually the best chances to do that is when they ask you about conflicts that you faced or rejections. Sometimes interviewers will straight up ask you, tell me about a time in which you failed. And the mistake that some people make is they try to present successes as failures. They say things like, or tell me about your weakness. And they say, oh, you know, I'm, what's that one thing everyone likes to say? Like, I'm, uh, I, I don't know. I'm like, a people person and I yeah, end up exactly. being more than doing work <laughs> right like i'm a perfectionist i'm a people person so you're trying to tell successes as, as failures and i think that's the biggest miss right there emotional intelligence is really good because you you should be able to show that there there's certain things that are i think employers know that sometimes like your technical skills isn't all that matters it's also like who you are especially in light with everything going on there's a lot of complicated things that go, goes on around the world and for you to be able to excel to the next stage of being a manager or being a, or, or being a partner or whatever it is that whatever the title is in your target organization, you're going to go beyond having technical skills to having emotional intelligence and showcasing times in your life when you actually had a struggle or a failure and you were able to navigate that and come out at the end with a learning a lesson and be able to say, this is what I've learned from it. Or this is how my relationship with my boss got better, even though I started off from with a rocky start, like that usually helps kind of show you as more of a human and not just like a robot who's like executing on the work that they've been provided. Absolutely. And uh, again, you know, to not, I, I say not to be afraid of it because there's this stigma that, you know, it's taboo to talk about those kinds of things or, you know, maybe um, they do want, you know, a robot essentially to do everything and to leave the emotion out or leave the emotion of intelligence at least out. So, but I think that now more leaders are challenging themselves, hopefully more and more. Uh, we still have so much, you know, room to grow, but challenging themselves to leave space for that kind of conversation. Um, with that said, let's move on to the next question here. Is there a recommended or suggested number of stories one should have ready? Yeah, it's a great question. And um, so the short answer is that it's going to vary based on the specific company you're applying to and the interview, the interview format. I'll give you an example. I've had people who are just doing a 15 minute coffee chat type conversation before deciding they can go to the next round. And then in my specific example, I had two rounds of interview, uh, two rounds of interviews. And in my second round, I had four interviews, each about 45 minutes long. Right. So if you're preparing for a 15 minute coffee chat and you're preparing for four rounds of interviews, that's two different things. Um, but if you are preparing for the longer type interviews, like like in my case, I highly recommend at least having one to two stories by each theme that you've identified is core to your company. So if you said this company is looking for people that have these three traits, try to at least have a story that touches on that so that you can bring that in somehow. 
Why do I say this? Because they're looking, a lot of people like the, the, they're used to hearing certain words, right? In terms of culture fit. And so if you can tell a story that brings in those types of buzzwords that we described earlier, they're probably gonna think that you'd make for a good fit in that company. But yes, short answer is this is going to vary based on where you're applying. Awesome, thank you for that, Olivia. And we have Trish here who's written in the chat box um, that she had a Google panel interview where the recruiter asked her to prepare three to five stories for 20 different questions. Okay. Great, uh, and how did, how did that go, Trish? Do you wanna come off mute? Were you like, was it a challenge to, to do that? Or was it kind of like, you just tell, I would love to know your process because I'm sure that um, more people can develop this in their panel interviews if you liked it, if it worked for you. Um, and then maybe, you know, we can encourage each other how to prepare for those. I'm, I'm putting you on blast right now. Feel free to not come off the mute. <laughs> Uh, okay. Okay. So Olivia, um, we've got some more folks writing in the chat box with Devne. Great ideas. Uh, I also uh, will look up roles for similar role titles on uh, job interview questions. And then she writes out the answers to practice. Um, she says, you feel so much more confident because you will at least have some idea on what the questions they will ask um, will be. Uh, and if in uh, this, in addition to identifying things, you, you can feel really repaired. Uh, so good. Thank you for that, uh, Devne. Let's move on to the next question here. Okay, so what structure should I follow when telling my story? Yeah, this is so fun. This is where I spend most of my time. <laughs> okay, so let's, uh, yeah, so I mentioned earlier that some interviews, that um, some interviewers tend to ask very short questions and they want you to go through multiple um, short questions, like tell me about your weaknesses and then you just state out here the weaknesses, that's it. But there are other instances where you really have the chance to build up on an entire stories so let's go back to the theme right so you've decided like you're applying to a certain company and they're looking for people that have let's use leadership because every company says they want leadership right it's a great example i think most of you are going to find that your future employer wants you to have leadership skills so they ask you a question tell me about a time that um, you were able to lead a team to accomplish a specific goal Right, so let's talk about what structure should I follow when telling that story. Right, so my recommendation is threefold. Whenever you are telling long stories, you always want to start with providing a high-level summary of what you will say before you will before you actually say that. And, and that's primarily because I'm a formal consultant, and we used to spend a lot of time always um, saying that we should have a very top-down approach to doing things. So tell me what I'm tell the person what you're going to tell them before you actually tell them. Right, so say to them, can I tell you about a time that I um, started this club and we were able to raise $5,000 as an example, right? And then the interviewer might say to you, yes, that's a great story, I wanna hear more. Or they might say, no, um, could you tell me a different story? If they say, yes, I wanna hear more, um, now go into the details. And you, I highly recommend using a storytelling framework. And so the one I'll talk about today, because most of you probably already know it, so you don't have to learn something new. You can just recycle something that they taught you maybe in high school or college is S-C-A-R, SCAR, S-C-A-R. So S, S is situation, C is challenge, A is action, R is results. If you've heard of this before, comment in the, in the chat section. I love it, I hate it. Let me know what you think. But honestly, it's very simple. It gets a job done. You don't want to. You don't want to come up with a framework where it, that's very complicated, such that you're sitting in the interview and you're trying to memorize. Like, what is that next piece? Like, I should be talking. No, come up with something very easy. Either S C A R or S T A R is another version of it. Situation, task, action, results. 
All right, let's talk about it in a little bit more detail. So situation is providing context. SEAR framework SCAR is super easy, but we tend not to do it when we're nervous because we just go straight into action. And most people tend to forget, I actually need to start with S, situation. That's context. So context here is, before you tell a story, give, help me understand what was going on, right? You decided to start a project. Did your teacher tell you to do it? Did your boss tell you to do it? Did you decide to do it on your own? Were you doing it by yourself? Were you doing it with your teammates, with your roommates? Was this, you know, was this a solo project? Was this a team project, right? Um, what, what, what led to this happening? Where were you doing this? Was it in your former employer? Was it at your startup? Just help me understand the context before going into the details. Next is challenge. Now with challenge, essentially you want to tell a story where you have the best types of stories are ones in which you've had some type of complications, right? So if you did a project and maybe it was like a one day project, like you're not going to be able to tell a great story because it's very easy. You're able to accomplish it very quickly. But if you decide, let me talk about something that I did over a three month period, chances are there'll be more to the story. There'll be instances where you're able to explain here three or five of the difficulties that I faced. Number one, we had conflicts in mindset, like some people didn't want to do this. Um, number two, we had budgetary restraints, like we didn't have money for this project. Number three, time, time issues. We only had, I had, a, um, I had a former client tell me they only had two weeks to do something that was typically done in a period of, of three months. Right, which as when I'm sitting across the table as an interviewer, I'm thinking, oh, I want to hear this. How did you accomplish it given such challenges? So tell me a story that has some type of challenges because it makes it just more interesting when you get to your results. And then the next is is your action. And here, what I want to what I want to highlight is just don't tell me what everyone was doing. Tell me specifically what you were doing. Most times, when people tell stories, they start to say things like. So we were doing this and he was doing this and my boss said this and she said this, but here's the thing. None of those people are interviewing for the role. They are not sitting at this table interviewing for the job. You are. So you want to be highlighting what you specifically did, right? So every sentence in this section should sound like, so I decided to do this because of X, right? So you're explaining what you did, but even more than that, you're explaining your logic, like your rationale, because employers don't just want to know what you did. They really want to understand your thought process, like who, what kind of like um, rationale you're going to be using, because in future you will be asked to make complicated decisions, and they want to they want to make sure that you have the ability to do that well. And then lastly, this is a cherry on the top. It's the results. Again, it's very easy to say that you should do results, but every time I coach clients, most times they end up forgetting to say this. But it's essentially like just boast a little bit. Show sure, off. Tell me like what is it that you are able to accomplish. Like because of your work, what is the value that you brought? Every employer wants somebody who's a value generator, somebody who makes a difference. So what was the difference? It doesn't have to be, most times it is money or time, like maybe you improve the, um, the time taken to do a process or maybe you reduce the amount of money needed to do something. But sometimes results could be as simple as just changing people's minds. Like maybe you created a, a change in how people do things at your office because of your work. Um, so that's a simple framework, use that. And then at the end of the day, like sometimes you're telling stories about times you failed or rejections that you've had. So you can kind of summarize your story by saying like, what was the lesson that you learned from this experience, right? If you're, if you're telling a story about a conflict that you had in a work setting, a good way to end it is to say, what did you learn so that you can in future address this in a better way? 
Great. So we've got uh, the chat box blowing up here. So some folks uh, say that they have used the STAR method before. Um, and so we've got just a couple of questions here that I'm going to flag before we move on to, to uh, toggling on the screen. So Margarita here writes um, that she'd love for you to touch on uh, this. So as we said earlier, some of the stories that we end up sharing can be very personal. Um, core stories to our personhood. Sometimes I find it difficult to keep to a rather rigid structure as this, uh, but also tell my story in a very genuine human way. I suppose to be my raw self, which I think is important for your future boss or coworkers to see and know about you. Do you uh, have any tips on how to maybe overcome uh, maybe I, we have some some questions coming up as well that you know what how much is too much to share? How can you navigate? you know, not putting, uh, by being authentic, but not sharing too much information. For example, someone else here writes uh, about overcoming weaknesses. How can you mm -hmm. try to spin that without, you know, trying to make it sound like it is, you know, something that you're great at? Yes. So I think the question around personal, um, like just bringing in your personal life, that's, that's very relevant at the very beginning of the interview. Typically when they're tr you're just trying to, um, you don't have an icebreaker and you're trying to start by the same way we started this presentation with me sharing my life story, right? It's very similar with interviews. Most times the best time to really tell, talk about your personal stuff is at the very beginning when they say, tell me about yourself. This is your chance to really craft your narrative. And if you feel like all these personal things are relevant to your story, be sure you can, you can bring them in at that point. Um, the only challenge with bringing in a lot of these personal stories in the middle section when they start to like double down on your professional experiences is that it may take away time from you being able to share about your professional experiences. So there's nothing wrong with sharing those personal things. You just have to be careful because if person A comes in, they spend 40 minutes talking about personal stuff and then person B comes in and they go all in on all their success stories, uh, the interview will obviously be more biased to, to not even biased, but they'll probably end up wanting to uh, bring in the person who's spent more time talking about the, uh, the professional experiences because that's what they're looking for at the end of the day. So I'd, I'd say it's okay to bring this in, but just be careful that you're bringing in at the right time and not eating it, uh, no, eating into too much of your time during which you should be talking about like what are some of your first work experiences that would be relevant to your future employer. And um, I forget what your second question was. <laughs> Um, so just being how to be human and uh, genuine about it to, to still be your raw self when sharing that that personal story in the beginning. Yeah, no, I think that uh, with I, I think that you just always find a way to connect the dots between things that you feel very personal to you and how they influence your work. So if there's something that's that's it's very personal, but it's not necessarily tied to your narrative, like you might want to leave that out and focus on something else that's that's tied to your narrative, right? So like if I just, there's so much stuff going on in my personal life, but I don't talk about all of that because maybe it's not relevant to you at this exact moment. But if I'm talking to my, my close friend, it might be relevant to them. But if there is something that's directly relevant to your work, like I had a former, um, one of my managers at my former, my former job, um, like she, for instance, every time we started a project, she would start by explaining like, hey guys, like, I remember when we started a project, she started by explaining, hey, I'm pregnant, this is my due date, I have to leave work every day at 4 p.m. because all this information was very relevant to that specific project we were on, right? So it was important for us as a team to know her personal uh, circumstances, which, which would influence our direct work. But if there's other things going on that wouldn't necessarily tie into like your exact uh, circumstances, then it doesn't make sense to bring that in. So it's your, it's it's up to you to make that judgment call to say like which of this personal stuff is directly relevant to my job and which one is not. 
Great. And then another great question here. Does the word I, does using the word I too much lead the interviewer to believe that you are not a team player? So the balance with like, you know, ego and yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people even like speaking here on these chats, it's like what, what you've got going on in your life is something to be shared. I mean, if you like doing it essentially. So um, I think if we look at it from that perspective as well, it's like, this is me, this is what I represent. This is what I love to do. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, uh, there's no qualms with you celebrating that essentially. Olivia, what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, um, it's a problem, especially during the, so we talked about the star or scar framework, right? So in the, when you talk about the context and the challenges, that's when you're talking about the team setting, your, what was going on with your clients, what was going on with the team. Um, even in the results section, you can talk about more in a team setting as a team were able to accomplish this. But in that specific section where you're trying to highlight what you did, I think it's very much okay. I actually had a former interviewer say to me, like, walk me through your resume. And he said, please don't be afraid to brag. This is your time to brag. Just go all out. Like, please. And I think it's, and when I've had a chance to listen to other people interviewing, I've never got the sense that they're arrogant. I've always thought if somebody is very confident and they're talking about all these accomplishments, it just means that they're doing, um, they're doing great work and they, they have every right to be confident. The only thing to be aware of is you don't want to boast about successes that are not yours. So if there is an instance where you worked in a team setting and your team accomplished something, but you did not specifically accomplish that, sometimes like there are people who make it seem like they did more than they actually did. And that can be a problem. Um, if your interviewer gets a sense that you're exaggerating your successes by saying, I did this, whereas it might have been your boss that did it, that would be a problem. But if it is actually your success story, you should feel comfortable bragging about it because that's what they want to know. They want to know what is, what is the types of, um, what is your like possibility to bring good results to my company? So sure, please tell them what you did in your previous employer and brag about it. You have every right to do that. And I know, I, I'm curious to know if, if folks on the line here uh, have a brag folder somewhere. Um, I was asked to start one, I remember, and I'm like, what, this is so, but then it's great because then a year passes, two years, and you forget the tiny little wins. And so to have like, you know, to accumulate all of those moments where you're like, great, I got this great feedback, I did this for my team, or I did this for myself, I think that that's great uh, to bring in. So if you're looking for a job now, start going through some old things that you've done and start your brag folder, right? <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's like the extended resume because I know um, some people have like two resumes. You have your short resume and then you have your extended resume that really goes into all the juicy details of all the cool things that you did. Mm -hmm. Totally. Great. All right. So let's move on to this next question here. Uh, are, there a certain, are there certain subjects or details that, be sh that should be left out of stories? I want to be honest and compelling, but not overshare. It's so funny too to, to see like we want to like we talked a little bit about perfectionism offline. So I feel like sometimes when we're asking these questions, these are great valid questions, but I think that, I mean, the society that, that has been given to us, you know, we're, we're definitely trying to help a lot of things evolve and, you know, be more, you know, kinder to nature and to people. Um, but I think that we've come into the way, like the way that it has been normalized uh, over a generation to just like keep yourself in a box. Don't share this kind of information. How can I like, not offend you with my story like where is the fine line of trying to like not walk on eggshells and to be your authentic self to show that you can show up for the job um and and i'd love for you to talk about that like being honest and compelling uh while not oversharing but also you know not walking on eggshells right yes this is one of those very good questions that i had to really think about uh, it's very good and i think that being i genuinely believe in being authentic and i think that stuff should even 
uh, you have to think about authenticity before you even apply. Like, don't wanna, you don't want to apply to an organization that will force you to be different, right? So before you even apply to an organization, you have to ask yourself, like, me being who I am, like, would that fit into that place? Um, but yeah, when you do come into the interviews, so there are certain things that, it's not that you shouldn't talk about them, but if you do talk about them, you want to address them. Um, so I'll give, again, an example from one of my previous um, uh, sessions with a client where I asked the person to walk me through the resume. And as an interviewer, I, you know, in my mind, I was just thinking he's just going to talk about all his success stories. That's what I was mentally prepared for. And then he ended up talking about a failure that he heard that he had he had experienced in one of his companies. And, and that threw me off because uh, I was expecting him to be bragging about his successes and not talking about the failures. And we can sometimes do that as interviewees. We can have the imposter syndrome where we're really scared about, we have this insecurities about previous failures. Like maybe you got fired from a previous job or you had a really, really bad relationship with one of your employers and that's holding you back and it makes you feel like uh, I'm not going to be good. So in terms of like, how can you be honest and compelling but not overshare? What I'd say is there are things that um, if they don't bring it up, like, and it's not directly relevant, like you don't necessarily have to, to talk about it, right? So the example I gave, like if you maybe had a, you know, you were, you got, um, you had a really bad relationship with your, your boss and you left because of that. Um, and then they are, you're talking about your general experiences and you're walking them through your resume. That's not something that you should necessarily just talk about unless they've specifically asked you, right? So that's one thing I'd, I'd, I'd call as a caveat. Don't talk about that unless they specifically ask you. And if they did, you want to be careful in how you phrase it. So there's a difference between saying, I really hated my boss. Like, I just hated the guy, just hated it. <laughs> you know, he was like micromanaging me and I just felt like I couldn't thrive. There's a difference between saying that and saying that I felt like I had outgrown the, the role that I had. I was ready to take on the next level of leadership and responsibility. And I was looking for an opportunity to do that. And that's why I'm applying because I'm ready to take on the next um, to take to take on a to take over to the next step and become a leader something like that right so be careful with how you phrase this um when you're talking about being authentic and oversharing be careful about how you phrase things that could be considered as red flags so that's one a good example if you if you got fired and from your previous job that's again another thing that you might be really scared to talk about most times like it might not even come up like you might be feeling very insecure because maybe you have a small gap in your resume but unless they, they call it out, and if they do call it out, have a very good uh, story to talk about. It's okay if you got fired and maybe you didn't perform well or you didn't, um, you know, it was sometimes you're starting out your, your first job out of college and you don't really know exactly what you're good at. And so you find yourself in a company that's um, in a role that's not the great fit for you. Everybody understands that. And so you want to make sure if you're telling that story, that you're rephrasing this to highlight the lessons that you've received from these experiences and how this will not be a problem in future. So you say like, I've learned from this experience that I'm really not good at this, but that I'm excellent at this. I was the go-to person on this topic. And so now in my next job, that's why I'm focusing on this specific role because I already know if I do this 100% of my time that I'm gonna be a superstar, right? So there's a difference between saying that and saying that, oh yeah, I got fired because I wasn't good. <laughs> right so if you are going to share things that you are scared of uh, sharing because maybe it's a red flag be sure to address them and think about how you want to tell that story so that you're focusing on 
this, the things that you've learned and why it is you're still a good candidate for this role. Beautiful. I'd love to uh, hold tight onto one example that you gave because actually someone has written me privately and I think that maybe you can dive deeper here. So this private comment says, I had to leave my last job because it wasn't a safe environment and because my employer didn't want to admit there was a problem. I feel like I left on bad terms. How should I talk about that experience or how do I know when to talk about it? So I still think that um, the, the thing about sitting in an interview is that people, if, if this is the first time somebody's meeting you, they haven't really seen you at work and you present something, um, you say something negative about your, your, your former employer, it's the first thing they're hearing from you, they might get the perception that you're a negative person. And so I still think that you want to really highlight um, some of the good things that you had from your previous from a previous job. And then instead of saying, I, I don't like that company because they had a terrible environment, you should say, what I'm really looking for is a company that mirrors my values. And what I, so focus on your new job versus your previous job. Like what I'm realizing now is that I really wanna focus on um, finding a place that's a really good fit for me from um, maybe value standpoint, culture standpoint. And just by speaking with people in your organization, I'm seeing that and I'm really excited for uh, I'm really excited for the opportunity to come to work in a place like this. So you want to, as much as possible, move away from like bad mouthing your former employer and instead focus on the opportunity that you're seeing, just so that you come across as somebody who is more like, uh, like opportunity driven and, and optimistic and positive. Because um, it can be it can be a thin line, like maybe you, you do talk about your former employer and they agree with you, but the instances where you just never know. They might perceive it as you being a negative Nancy. You have to be careful about that, right? So you just have to be careful and instead, as much as possible, focus on the positive things of moving on to your next job. And I wonder, is there a way to uh, flip this story into a question to, to protect yourself, not to attack anyone or to badmouth anyone, but just to make sure that you don't walk into another situation where an employer you know doesn't know when a situation is you know uh safe or not like how can it's it's i understand what you're saying to make sure you know, this is where i want to go so you focused on that but is there a something for this person now you know that can is there a question to kind of you know i guess because also the stories that we ask when we're mm -hmm. given a chance that's a part of our story as well right that's a part mm -hmm. of seeing how like what's important to us right uh and how we find value in in you know, how we're building this partnership as employer-employee. Can you talk a little bit about that? I don't know, I'm just thinking of it now. Is there a way to ask to protect yourself and not necessarily to bad mouth a previous employer that couldn't tell when a situation was bad, but just to make sure the person doesn't walk into an, a situation like that again? Oh, so is the question, of, uh, are you saying, what can you ask your future employer about their values and their, is that what you're saying? So yeah. that's a great question, but I don't think that's a question to ask in your first interview. That's a question that you ask before your first interview when you're networking, uh, because when you're coming into the interview, this is your chance to really double down on like, I'm a great candidate. So the assumption is that you've done that pre-work, right? So before, I think we talked a little bit about this, like before you even go into your first interview, you want to make sure that you're, you're doing your due diligence. Um, if this is a company that you really like, you consider considered a top choice and you could really see yourself committing to this company for the next couple of years, then you want to make sure you're speaking not just to current employees, but to former employees. And that would be the perfect person to ask that question. 
<laughs> because current employees still have to talk well of the company. And um, because, yeah, they're, represent they're representatives of the company. So they're going to tell you all the flowery things. They're not going to go into details about all the bad things. So talk to somebody who's left. Leverage LinkedIn and see, can you find somebody who worked in this company and has left? And um, if you can find somebody who maybe you have something in common with them, they might be more inclined to, to talk to you. And then have that conversation and then ask them the good stuff. And that's, that's where you'll find out everything you need to know about um, how a company truly is. It's for my employees. They have, they have no reason to not be honest with you. They have no incentive. They're not applying there. They don't represent the company. So that would be the person to ask. Um, but you can also ask in, in the networking stages, you can definitely ask recruiters, ask current employees, just get a sense of like, um, how do they talk about the company? And then specifically ask them the question, like, what do you like and what don't you like? Uh, most people, most current employees will find a very political way of answering that question, but just try to read between the lines. They're not going to tell you that I hate my boss, but they might say like, well, yeah, sometimes, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of your job to also just read between the lines because they're not going to just flat out say, this is what I hate, but they might find a way to phrase it so that you get a sense of this might not be as good. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks. So we've got about 15 minutes left. I just want to flag everyone and let everyone know. So if anyone wants to hop off of mute and ask a question, I see we've got some questions in the chat box. I'm going to get to in a minute, but I want to give you a chance to hop off of mute anyone. Um, so feel free to do so. Usually this works. I'll pour a glass of water and I'll, I'll pause so that you can be courageous and come off of mute. Olivia, you got some water? Let's. let's I got my tea. <laughs> Bye, okay, goodbye. Go for it. Go for it. <laughs> Oh, you don't want to? Okay. Ah, that's, you tricked me. Hello, I'm Trish. <laughs> Go for it, Trish. Hello. Hi. Um, so I feel like I judge these stories that I come up with, right? Like I, you know, somebody suggested I come up with all the roles I've ever had and um, find times when I felt like I was at my best self and sort of start there and then figure out what stories craft to which values and skills. Um, but when I, you know, when I would look at the stuff that's really easy to me, I feel like it's just, it's not really, uh, it's not, it's not an interesting story or maybe it just says like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't quite figure out how to, um, yeah, which stories are, are actually telling the story that I'm trying to tell. Uh, there, it's a question. How to spice things up. So let me so let me repeat what you said. So you feel like you have all the stories, but it doesn't feel like you're really excited about any of your stories. Is that correct? Yeah, a little, a little not. I mean, I'm. I feel like they are to me. They're exciting stories. Like you know, I've tried to come up with the sort of best self stories, the places where I feel most alive you know, to, so that they have some energy, but, but then I'm like, this has nothing to do with business. This has nothing to do with leadership. This has nothing to do with, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like it plugs into the, you know, the business stories that I'm supposed to be telling or the problem solving stories. Hmm. I see what you're saying. Okay. So like you have unique stories that might not necessarily, so those themes we talked about, maybe your story doesn't necessarily tackle any of those. Could you maybe find a balance between uh, some stories that you feel like they're really exciting to you, but maybe it's not a perfect 
um, it's not like a perfect fit in the sense that you feel like it's not directly relevant, but at the same time, it's something that's very important to you and it showcases your personality, which I think is a good thing. Like sometimes like we talked about authenticity quite a bit, but like telling stories that get, um, they give people a chance to know more about you. So it's kind of like you're passing the airport test. Like if they spend more time with you, this is, this is, this is who they would um, get a chance to speak with. But at the same time, like I think there's an important, it's important to have that bright balance so that you are still telling some stories that directly showcase that you have the ability to do this. So if they're, I don't know what jobs you're applying to, but if they're hiring you to do a certain job that requires a certain level of skill and you tell all these interesting stories, they'll come up to the conclusion like, yeah, Trish is awesome. I want to hang out with Trish. I want to grab coffee with her. I, you know, I want to I have a walk with her. Uh, but you also want a few stories that say, okay, now we're on, you know, we're working through our deadline two weeks before this deadline and Trish is assigned this project. Like I want to also make sure that I can feel confident that she will be able to lead her team and get them where they need to go. So I think there's a, there's a you need a bit of balance, right? And again, it also depends on the interviewer and what style of interview there is. There's some interviews that are very, very informal. Like I did have an interview that essentially we just had a conversation for like um, 30 minutes. And then at the very end, he asked me some very specific like business questions. Um, but that was very unique. <laughs> I don't expect that most interviews would look like that. That was a very unique circumstance. Um, but so maybe have a little bit of some stories that you feel like really showcase who you are, your personality, what excites you, but also have uh, some that directly answer that question. And then the one other thing I'd say, Trish, is I did get a sense that when you are describing your past experiences that I don't know if I'm correct, but my quick assumption was if you're more excited about stuff that's not relevant to what you're going to do next, there might also be a bit of like, uh, I know sometimes I feel like we want to go into certain roles, but they're not really the roles that we like or are excited about. So like if, they're, if you're asked to tell a story about a time you did a certain task and you don't want to talk about that because you didn't enjoy any of that, that might be a bigger conversation to have about uh, what, what it is that truly excites you and what you want out of your next role. I don't know. Did I, <laughs> I don't know what it is, but what do you think about that? No, it's interesting. I like that. Um, yeah. I mean, I feel like I am trying to figure out what it is that my next role should be. Like I really am. And, um, I have, uh, you know, I was, I was an engineer for 15 years and I've been running a, an entirely different sort of business for 15 years that, um, and I'd like to pivot back to engineering in some capacity. And so there's a part of me that's like, you know, tech, sure. But also I, you know, I've had a lot of customer facing experience. And so, mm -hmm. so I'm trying to find a combination of those two. And I've done, I've not done any of those roles before. Um, right. So I am, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work it out in some sense. So, yeah. Yeah, that's excellent. Like reflection. I think it, it might just help, um, to spend a little bit more time um, with, with that personal reflection and speaking to other people who've done a pivot. That, now I know my, my specific story isn't um, similar to yours, but I did find myself in that boat where I had spent two years in consulting and I, I kept thinking about what was it, what was the one thing that I did as a consultant that gave me so much energy and gave me like excitement. And mm -hmm. I realized it was either times when I had, um, opportunities to present like at a workshop in front of other people or 
um, chances to speak with students and help them in, in their decision making as they're thinking through like jobs. And that wasn't even the main, that wasn't what I was paid to do as a consultant, right? And that's why I made this massive pivot, like completely away from my consulting and just becoming an entrepreneur and doing what I do. Because what, similar to you, when I had to step back and think about, I did look into all this like traditional type consulting positions because everybody was applying for um, um, other consulting roles. And I was thinking about it, I was like, should I do that? But as I was reading this job descriptions and trying to prepare stories, I felt very stuck. Like I was like, I don't feel excited about this, but I'm really, really excited about this other thing that has nothing to do with my job. And so taking that step back really, really helped me. Um, so I don't know about your exact situation, if that might help, but I think just speaking to other people who've made a pivot and taking a bit of time to reflect could, could provide that guidance. Because if you're not excited to go into an interview and talk about something that they're asking you, that's, that, might be, that might be something to think about. <laughs> It's your, yeah. it's your natural defense system saying, I don't want to go anymore. I don't want right. to go a different way. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> well, that, yeah, to... that or interviews are scary. That, yeah, <laughs> I, I Totally. But they shouldn't be, you know, it's, it's definitely, I mean, if anyone now just has an opportunity to ever interview people, like, remember that and try to do it differently. We can change mm-hmm. things any time of the day, you know. I, it's and it's from a cultural perspective too it's it's interesting to interview in different places in the world right and also now virtually speaking so how do you show your full self depending on the culture depending on you know the platform um and to not make it uh like make it a healthy competitive place don't make it a competitive place where you can just see the rest of your life like being you know overworked or whatever like actually that's a flag for yourself if that happens (laughs) um but we have some folks writing in the chat saying that trish you're not alone that they are in a similar situation um margarita here writes uh i love how trish is alluding to finding one's purpose i've been reflecting a lot about that as well uh how i don't want to just have a career for the next x years of my life but truly feel like i'm working uh, a vocation. Um, mm-hmm. Miranda writes, same boat. I'm trying to pivot to my second real job and the reflection portion is really difficult. Um, when DV says, I want to pivot back towards engineering individual individual contributor role without abandoning what I've learned since then. So Olivia, we see that folks are kind of, you know, at a crossroads, which I love because yeah. uh, anything, I mean, now's the time to experiment. If you ask me, I mean, yeah. I am an artist at heart and I believe we're all artists. We're all creative beings. And we have these things that are placed in front of us all the time to keep like, do you want to stay? in a box or do you want to express yourself a little bit and maybe that takes like for example collaborating right now I'm just going to say if you're listening to us now and you want people to connect with you on LinkedIn or your website or your social platform feel free to write that in the chat box now because I think that when more of us do the things like you know we are the change that we want to see essentially then that's going to have a certain momentum Mm -hmm. um so Trish as you see you coming off mute folks are saying that they're in the same situation so go ahead and write in the chat box uh your preferred ways of connecting and then we can all you know try to try to work things out and Trish you're not alone like I'm every day I want to do something new so this is (laughs) (laughs) yeah and Mario if I can add to that I mean I really think that the whole piece around just taking a step back and reflecting is so important. I did post an article about this on LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, I tend to post a few stories, like just being very authentic, all topics such as imposter syndrome and just like figuring out direction. Because I had to go through that, as I mentioned earlier, I definitely had stopped and had to think about, okay, what do I want to do with my career? Because it's like, you know, it just seems like um, this big, big thing that I hadn't thought about. And at at that point in time, when I decided to start my company, I decided this is what I feel most excited about right now. And I was able to come to that conclusion based on just constantly reflecting, like actually writing down how I feel throughout um, 
day-to-day -day experiences. So if I was going through a day and there were certain tasks that I, would, I, I was doing and it felt like it was taking away my energy, I'd note that down, this takes away my energy. Then there are other things that I was doing that were giving me energy and I'd say, this gives me energy. So eventually when I was crafting my own career path, it was very, very specific to my past experiences. Like this is what I absolutely love and gives me the highest energy and where everyone says when I do those things that I come alive. Like this is what my, my former colleague said about me. This is what my former classmate said about me. This is what my professor said about me. They said, Olivia, when you do those things, you are thriving, you're great at it. But when you do those things, it feels like you're not, um, it feels like you don't have the energy to do it. And so it's, it's really important. It's scary because we all feel like we have to rush to the next step. Like people are doing all kinds of crazy things. You go on LinkedIn and there's always like, you know, all this brags about <laughs> accomplishments, um, 30 under 30, 40 under 40, God knows what's next. Like there's just so many um, accomplishments out there on LinkedIn. It can be so intimidating, but it's so, so important to just take a step back and focus on you and not try to compete against the world and, and try to meet um, an accomplishment within a certain stage. Just focus on you and what gives you energy. Absolutely. Yes. I love that we're ending on that. Like how can you serve yourself so that you can essentially serve other people? And it's mm -hmm. like, you know, now we got to get rid of perfectionism and get rid of telling someone else's story. You know, one of my big questions is how can we use more emotional intelligence at home and at work, right? So that we can just build these bridges instead of building walls. And it starts with us first. So, you know, if I'm in a position where I'm not able to, at least most of the time, be my authentic self and get that, you know, energy that I'm looking for myself, then I'm just in a hole. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I hope that everyone here on this call, uh, you know, can find some confidence within themselves to share their stories unapologetically um, and to know that more people are in your situation than not. So Olivia, we have about one more minute left. Do you want to leave us with some food for thought? Let us know how we can connect with you once we finish this chat and learn. And then also I just want to flag for our live callers. Nicole here has written in the chat box, uh, the LinkedIn doc. So you can go ahead and drop your LinkedIn there in that doc and we will all be connected offline. So Olivia, I'll pass the mic to you. Thank you so much for being with us today, by the way. Yes, thank you so much for having me here. I really had a good time uh, answering your questions. Very good, um, thought-provoking questions. And I love that. I love that about my job, that it's always challenging me to think about new things. Um, so the only other thing I'd leave you with, we didn't talk about this um, too much, but yeah, don't, don't, don't be afraid to just leverage tools to like LinkedIn, especially now with, with everything going on. I have seen a lot of people come together and say, I want to support you. Um, so many people are just really excited to support um, each other because we're all, we're all going through this together. So if you feel like you're currently job searching and you're thinking it's in the middle of the pandemic, um, what does that mean for me? Um, don't be afraid to reach out to people for help. We can be very, I can be very stubborn and not want to, to ask for help, but don't be afraid to ask for help. Reach out to people in your network. And yes, keep, uh, and then also take time to recharge as well. But yes, thank you so much for having me. Please connect with me on LinkedIn. I believe the, my LinkedIn was sent over, but it's Olivia Barnard. My website is Signature Interview Prep. So if you are looking for one-on-one coaching um, interview prep resumes, you can find me there. Or if you want me to speak at a future event, you can also find me there. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much, Olivia. You are awesome. You're fantastic. And thank you everyone for joining us for this past hour. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye. Yeah. Bye-bye.